we've rejoiced in your presence. We know, Lord, that our praises create a habitation for you. You inhabit the praises of your people. And so, Father, with you here, there's no need too great and no mountain too great that it can't be moved and the need met. So we just believe you for that today, Lord, that you're going to speak into every life, into every heart, and minister to every person here today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, let's read it out loud together. This morning it will be on the screen. I'm reading from the King James. Let's read it together. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Last week we began a series of teachings about our identity. I asked the question, how do you identify? You know, that's quite a hot-button question these days. And, of course, Christians have the biblical answer to that one for sure. If there was ever a question asked that we should have the appropriate answer for, it would be that question of identity. And in this particular verse... We see that Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. You may have a translation that you normally read that would say, I have been. Uh, And so both really are appropriate because he had been. He is now in that particular uh, legal aspect of, of things. He is able to say, I have been crucified with Christ. Not an ongoing thing. It's a finished work. But he said, I am crucified with Christ. Now, non Christians wonder. And rightfully so, if you don't know the answer, you'd wonder, what does the death of Jesus Christ of Nazareth 2,000 years ago have to do with me today? What does that have to do with me today? And when you read a verse like this, you could add to that question. Uh, More than that, you could say, how could Paul, who was very much alive when these words were penned, how could he say he had been crucified? And with Jesus, no less. And of course, the simple answer is, for a crucified man to be alive, there had to have been a resurrection. And that's what we celebrate today. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then all that we believe as Christians is false. If Jesus was not who he said he was, then He was the biggest fraud who ever walked on the face of the earth. There is no middle ground when it comes to Jesus. And there's no middle ground when it comes to his resurrection. We either believe it or we don't. And if we do believe it, then it has not only temporal but eternal consequences for us. And it's not all something that was done without effect today. But it's something that was done on our behalf in such a way that it affects us every day. The only way to understand this principle that Paul is talking about when he says, I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, is to understand what we would call substitutionary identification substitutionary identification. And if there's one verse in all the New Testament that probably sums this up the best, 
I would say it's 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 22. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Jesus became what we were and suffered the penalty that was due to us so that we can now be what he is and enjoy the same position and the same possessions that he has. That's a mouthful, but it's absolutely true. This is the essence of substitutionary identification. That someone else could act in your stead and what they did would have a real effect on your life. Identification in the biblical sense is by its definition our complete union with Christ. We're not just people who happen to show up at church occasionally. We're not just people that think it's not good to tell a lie. Or that we should be honest in our business dealings. All that's good. But this is about a complete union with Jesus Christ and he with us. Just as we were in Adam. Remember we're talking about substitutionary identification. We were in Adam. I mean all of us came from the same man. The first man, Adam. And just as we were in Adam and identified with him through our natural birth, so now we are in Christ through our new birth. And this spiritual law of identification means that we are in the one who we identify with. We are in the one who represented us and substituted for us legally. That's what this is all about. That's what the crucifixion was all about. That's what the resurrection was all about. Jesus, the Word, made flesh. The second person of the Trinity had absolutely no needs, no problems, other than the fact that The love of God was so great toward man who had fallen that it compelled him to come and do what no man could do for himself. And that is to redeem us and buy us back from the curse of the law, from the hand of the enemy, and from spiritual death. When we understand this this process that someone could represent us and substitute for us legally, then if it only applies to Adam, we're in trouble forever. You see, the the Bible is basically about two men. The Bible is basically about two men. Adam, and the word Adam in Hebrew means man. Adam, the first Adam, and Jesus who is called in 1 Corinthians 15.45, the last Adam. That's really, if you want to boil all this down, that's what the Bible is about. It's about two men. The first Adam that we were all in, and the last Adam that we are in, if you will, through the new birth. 
You see, we were in Adam physically. He is our forefather, naturally speaking. We were in him physically. And, of course, we were also in him spiritually. The same kind of spiritual life was imparted to his descendants. Spiritual existence, we might say. And also, we were in him legally. Now, what he did, we did. In essence, that's the way it works. That's substitutionary identification. What Adam did, we did. His fall was our fall. We inherited his fallen nature just by being born. Just by being born. And the fact is now, you don't have to do anything to go to hell. Just get born in the earth and never have a change in your spiritual nature. Never receive Jesus and you will go to hell. Now a lot of people hear this, they hear about the doctrine of substitution and identification, and they immediately cry foul. I mean, after all, how is it fair that what a man did 6,000 years ago could affect me in 2023? Why do I have to go to hell because of what Adam did? And I didn't ask to be born, first of all, And I didn't ask to be born a fallen creature. It just doesn't seem fair. But what I have to report to you today, it's legal. Whether we like it or whether we don't, it's legal. Now God seeing the plight of man, understanding the condition we were in, he made arrangements that we could bypass the curse. We could bypass spiritual death. We could bypass the sentence of eternal death. You see, that's the plan of God. But before we found Jesus, and after the fall of Adam, man had legal. Actually, what happened in the fall, man legally, Adam legally shut God out of his life. And he became a child of the devil. Now, we don't like to hear that. People don't like to hear that. We don't necessarily get pleasure out of saying it. But Jesus, I mean, how many would think he knows what he's talking about? Jesus in John 8 said that of people who weren't saved, he said, you are of your father the devil, and the less of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth and so on and so forth. So what we understand is that if we're born of Adam... Because of Adam's legal transgression and fall, we were born into a fallen state. And so actually, until and unless we are born again, our spiritual father is actually the devil. And that's why sinners sin. That's why people you know and people you love, that you would love for them to be changed. You want them to live differently. You know there's a better life for them. And you wonder why they do what they do. They do what they do for the same reason you did the stuff you did before you knew Jesus. Because that's their nature. Cows moo. Dogs bark. Cats meow. Sinners sin. And for so much of the Christian uh, endeavor in many quarters for many years, it's been about trying to just browbeat everybody into acting right. 
You can't act right if you're not born again. You might get a few things right. You might stop something for a while. But you will never be able to live a life that would please God unless you have a new nature. Unless you have been born again. Amen. And so before we were born again, we were all in the position that's described in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. And it says that without Christ, we were without covenant, number one. We were without God, number two. Number three, we were without hope. And this is the description of every unsaved person on the planet today. They may not act like it at the moment. They may not look like it. It may not seem to be that way with them. But in the final analysis, they are without a covenant. They were without God in their lives. And they are without hope. And that's where most people you know are living today. That's why the Great Commission is so important. The Great Commission is more important as far as I'm concerned in 2023 than it was the year I was born all those many years ago. (laughs) Because it's the sheer numbers of people who've never heard about Jesus. The sheer numbers of people who don't know the Lord. The vast number of people who are just wondering aimlessly in life. Oh, they have interests. They may have a job. They might even have a little money to spend. They do whatever they do. But the real fulfillment and the power and the peace of life escapes them. That's why they are constantly looking for something new, something else. But the only place you will ever find fulfillment, the only place you'll ever find peace, the only place you'll ever find your true destiny, which is a place of blessing and success, by the way, is to find it in Christ. If you try to do your thing, that's all you're going to get. And you may be sharp and you may be industrious, but I guarantee you, your thing is not going to be as powerful and as good as God's thing for your life. But you know, if that was the end of the story, we'd be in total misery forever. If, if all we had to think about was that I don't have a covenant with God, I'm outside the family, I don't have God in my life, I don't know Him as my Father, I don't have any hope for a really great future, and certainly no hope for an eternity with the Lord. If that's where we were, and that was the end of the story then we'd be in total misery forever. But I'm glad to report to you today, that's not the end of the story. Oh, hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm glad to report today that Jesus did come. And through our new birth, we are now identified with him. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... I was in Adam in my first birth, but I'm in Christ in my second birth. Hallelujah. And therefore, I am taken and translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. I didn't earn it. I didn't buy it. I didn't deserve it. But God gave it to me as a free gift when I in faith believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and believed in his perfect substitutionary death for me and the fact that he not only died but that he rose again to eternally live and to bring me into a place of this kind of life. When that happened, I was changed and made a new creature in Christ. Hallelujah. Through Jesus' substitutionary identity. 
identification with us and our receiving his completed work by faith, Satan has been legally shut out of our lives. He has no right to trespass. He has no right to bring the curse into our lives because he's been shut out. Now, you know who's saying that ain't fair? It'd be the devil. How is it fair? You know you. I know me. We know how undeserving we are. How is it fair that I, that you, could walk in a place of newness of life? That I could have a covenant with Almighty God? That I could pray and get an answer? That His power would work in my life? That all the blessings that we were hearing about earlier at offering time, plus many more, how could it be so (coughs) that that's available to you and me? It's because of what Jesus did. It's what Jesus did. Let me make this statement. I think it's such a powerful one that we really need to meditate on this as the days go ahead. The fall has been undone through the finished work of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Hallelujah. The fall has been undone through the finished work of Jesus Christ. So much so that there's even a guarantee of a new and glorified body. To match our spirit. One of these days you're going to look at me. And you may have to look twice. Because I'll have hair. (laughs) You're going to look at me. And you may have to look twice. There won't be all those wrinkles. I'm going to get a body. That is suitable for my spirit. But in the meantime. I already have the new spirit nature. And God is already living inside of me. And that spirit in me will even quicken or give life to this mortal body. As long as I need to be here until my race is run and my, my assignment is finished, I will live long, I will live strong, I will live well upon the earth. Hallelujah. Because the God of the Word is living in me now. And greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think you ought to lift up our hands and praise Him a moment. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Spiritually and legally, we are in complete union with Jesus Christ and He with us. What Jesus did has been credited to our account as if we had done it ourselves. It's no different than if somebody you know and love owes a debt. And out of the goodness of your heart and the generosity of your heart, you decide, I'm going to go and pay that debt for them. And you go in somewhere, wherever it is, and you take your money, you take a check, whatever, and you totally pay that debt. Then there, it's not your account. It's theirs. But their account has been paid in full. And that's exactly what happened where our sin nature and the old man and all that went with that is concerned. Jesus stepped in to the earth realm, clothed himself in a body of flesh, and said, I'm going to pay their debt. They can't do it. Nobody else can do it. Not the highest of archangels could do it. It will take God robed in flesh going as the last Adam to be their substitute. And thank God that's what he did. That's what he did. What Jesus did has been credited to our account as if we had done it ourselves. That means his victory is our victory. 
and his life is our life. That's why Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This truth in Galatians 2.20 influenced all of Paul's writings. It influenced his total ministry. And it's got to be understood, to some degree at least, in order to get the full, for us to get the full benefit of our relationship with Christ. Now when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you are reading those authors, and all of it of course under the inspiration of the Spirit, but you're reading their proclamation of what happened. When you read the book of Acts, you are seeing a demonstration of what Jesus had accomplished. And when we read the epistles, the letters to the churches, we read the explanation of what happened. The gospels are like you taking a photo of someone you love and you put it, you know, in your home someplace and that's, you know, your grandson, granddaughter, that's your mom, your dad, your husband, your wife, whoever it is. And it's there. That's a picture. But if they were to go to a, a doctor and they were to have an x-ray done and if somehow you could get a copy of that and you could make it into an 8 by 10 then you could put that in one you've seen those frames you know that are two they're connected on one side you could have the photo and on the other side you could have their x-ray so one side you've got this good looking guy this good looking gal and they're all clothed and doing well on the other side you've got a skeleton same person a different view the Gospels give us a photo. The Gospels, when you read them, you see what man saw in the ministry of Jesus. You see what man saw even at Calvary. And if that's all we had, we still wouldn't exactly know what all that meant. What is going on? We come to the epistles and we get the x-ray. Now the x-ray... Uh, is something, you know, that, that it's, it's the same person from a different viewpoint. And so in the epistles, we see why Jesus did what he did. We see what actually happened. Let me say it this way. The Gospels, you see what man saw. In the epistles, you begin to see what God saw. And not only that, you see what the devil saw. Because when it was all said and done and Jesus got up out of the grave on that third day, the devil could look himself in the mirror and say, I've blown it. As a matter of fact, Paul, writing to the Corinthians in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, said, had the princes of this world known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But aren't you glad that God's smarter than the devil? And aren't you glad, too, he's more powerful than the devil? Which means nothing you ever deal with from the devil, you have to succumb to. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen. So in Galatians 2.20, let's look at it again. And I want you to read it with me again, out loud. I'm not just trying to kill time. I know you've got Easter lunches and all that stuff to go to and all. But I want you to get this in your heart. Let's read it one more time. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. 
Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul was actually saying that when Christ died, he was saying, I died. And when you and I read this verse, because we're in Christ, we can apply this personally, and we can also say, See, I want you to understand, Paul said this, but he's not the only person that could say this. You have as much right to make this proclamation and declaration as he did. I have been crucified with Christ. Let's say that together. I have been crucified with Christ. You see, we died with Christ. We were buried with him. We're talking about substitutionary identification. We died with Christ, we were buried with him, and we rose with him. And we ascended with him to the highest seat of the universe, and now we rule and reign with him using the authority that he gave the church, using his name, and operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, and using his word as a sword, we rule and reign with him. I want to give you these statements quickly. Each of these you could preach a whole message on, but I'm not going to. But I want to give you some things to rejoice about today. Jesus died to make us live. He was made sin to make us righteous. He was made weak so that we could be made strong. He was shamed in order to bring us to a place of glory. He was condemned to give us justification or acquittal. And by the way, Jesus did not raise from the dead until you were acquitted. Until I was found not guilty. That's what we're told in Romans chapter 4, verse 24. That when, when you and I were justified or acquitted, found not guilty of all of our sins of the past, that's when Jesus got up. Jesus didn't die because he sinned. He didn't sin. He became what we were. And so when the penalty we owed was completely paid, Jesus got up out of that grave. <laughs> Just the fact that Jesus is alive means I have the right to stand before God just as if I'd never committed a sin. You're talking about a booster to your prayer life, a booster to your faith life. It's when you understand how God sees you. Jesus was condemned to give us justification. He was cast out of the presence of God so that you and I could be welcomed there. We don't have to back in. We don't have to make an appointment and wait. You know, the last time I had an appointment for a physical, I had to wait a long time to get one because the doctor was busy. But you know, it's amazing. The, the creator of the entire universe never puts you in a waiting room. There is no waiting room out from the throne room. <laughs> We're invited. Come boldly. Come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Jesus was cast out of God's presence so we could be welcomed there. Jesus went to hell so we could go to heaven. 
I'm glad today that I'll never have to go to hell. I'm on my way to heaven. I've got as far as Appomattox, but I'm going all the way. Praise the Lord. Jesus was made sick that I could be made whole or well. And Jesus became poor that we might be enriched and have abundance. Jesus became a curse so that we could be blessed. You see, the death of Jesus Christ on the cross was not the death of a martyr, but it was the death of you and me, our substitute there that satisfied the claims of justice where God is concerned. The crucified Savior is now our resurrected Lord. Isn't that good to know? Hallelujah. If you only saw the gospel pictures, you would, have, you would have seen all the suffering. And you might have wondered, how is that going to work out? But the truth is, he is now our resurrected Lord. The, the resurrection is there, of course, in the gospels. But we understand that we were raised with him. We have been resurrected to walk in newness of life. And that word zoe in the Greek means the God kind of life. It's the kind of life that's too powerful for death to overcome or withstand. And so we made a statement in the beginning for Paul to be able to make this statement for a crucified man to still be alive. There must have been a resurrection. And just the fact that we are alive in Christ today is proof of the fact of the resurrection. We're not here today just because it's the Christian thing to do, the social thing to do. We're here today because we know that we know that we know that Jesus is alive. Aren't you glad for that? Let's lift up our hands and thank the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we're grateful this morning and so thankful. So thankful. So thankful. So thankful. Father, today as we celebrate, and rightfully so, Because the crucifixion is over. And as horrible and as as painful as it was, the resurrection supersedes it. The resurrection renders all that as just something of the past. It had to be. But you're alive. Oh, Jesus, we love you today. We thank you. You're alive. And so, Father God, today, I ask you to bring revelation insight and revelation knowledge into every one of our minds and our hearts that we would understand this from your perspective and see what you see. With heads bowed, eyes closed this morning, maybe somebody in the room has never experienced what we've been teaching about. You've never been born again. Maybe you've been to church many times. And maybe even as a very young person, you uh, acted on the um, urging of someone else. And you might have prayed a prayer, made a confession. But maybe after the years passed, you realized, well, I'm not sure if I knew what I was doing. I'm not sure if, if uh, I understood it. In other words, you may be a good person, but you still may not really be born again. You may be lost. 
Or you might be a backslider away from God. You might say, you know, I know I've found the Lord at one point in my life, but I'm not living for Jesus. I'm not, I'm not doing what I should. And I'm not sure I'm ready to meet the Lord should he come again. So in any situation that I mentioned, if you need Jesus or you need him back into your life completely and you need forgiveness of your sins, if you'll lift your hand, I'd like to pray with you today and pray for you. Anybody in the room? Maybe if you're, if you're at home and you're watching, you can always, of course, uh, contact us. I'm going to pray. And if you should have raised your hand, pray this prayer with me. Let's all pray together. Say, Father God, I thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you that Jesus is alive. He died for me and he lives for me. So I ask you now, forgive me all my sins. Cleanse me by the precious blood. Make me a new creation. I now receive and I now confess Jesus as my Lord. I'll serve you, Lord all the days of my life in Jesus name amen 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 if you prayed that prayer please come up to the front here let us minister to you further when this service is over if you prayed the prayer and you're not here you're watching this please contact us we got information we'd like to get into your hands we want to bless you we want to help you in your new walk with the Lord and I know that There's just nothing like the peace of God.